You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, on a Tuesday from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowden. What's up, BLG? Stats, I am so excited today for today's special guest. Let's get right to it. But before we do, just want to remind you that we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, let's bring in our very special guest from the Ringer NFL show, Benjamin Solek. What's up, Ben? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me on back. Pretty sure back. Think yeah. Oh, yep. yeah I'm back. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure you you forgot. BLG. I've been on I've been on a lot of shows with you, BLG. Wow. Years. There's no what way of flex. distinguishing which one is which. Where at this point? He's been on a lot of shows. You know, we're we're just grateful to be in the rotation. I'm saying with with BLG with my guy. I we BLG and I have sat down and gone through the Eagles roster number by number for hours on, on air, and Look. so I they do start to blend together after. A time. We're going to be doing that real soon after the Eagles make some draft yeah, picks, and we're going to go through the entire roster and analyze everyone's jersey number. So stay tuned for that in Bleeding Green Nation. But before or, or before yeah before we get to all that, uh, have to talk about the NFL draft, right? Stats. Yes, obviously we are just days away. There's a ton to get to. I have many, many questions for Ben. Uh, the first one I saw actually comes from Peter King, who wrote on Monday, I believe, that he thinks that this we could see the first 10 picks of this draft go by without anyone that regularly touches the ball getting picked. Do you agree with that? I would be surprised. Um, you obviously have quarterback there, as always, that like anybody could at any time take a quarterback in the top 10. And what like that wouldn't be surprising. Like, that's just how it works. If you have a rookie qu- contract quarterback, it's the best thing in the world. Eagles fans know like that's the greatest thing that ever existed. But I, I will say I, I am now uh, I would bet on there being a wide receiver in the top 10 before I would bet on there not being received in the top 10, even money um, with Drake London and Garrett Wilson, both of whom both of whom have had their over-unders kind of float around 10 and a half across the course of this process. And then with Jamison Williams out of Alabama, who's getting a lot of run late in the process as like a sneaky, you know, first wide receiver to go sort of a dude uh, with, the, with the cumulative weight of those three wide receivers and then the quarterback thing. I, I would be surprised if there were no offensive skill position players selected in the top 10. It's possible. It's rarely possible, but it still would be a surprise. So you didn't actually know this, Ben, but before you came on the show today, we actually mm-hmm. got wired into your bank account and your life savings are being put on the line for uh, a quarterback in this year's class. And you have to identify which quarterback is going to be the most successful one. And you're, keep in mind, you're putting mm-hmm. your entire life savings on this uh, involuntarily, mind you. Listen, uh, so who are me you picking? putting my life savings down on draft props is not like this is not a, a hypothetical. If we're being honest here, uh, this, is, this is a yearly event. Um 
the I would probably put it on Desmond Ritter, the quarterback mm. out of Cincinnati. The best way to describe this this the top of this quarterback class is that if you ask me which quarterback has a has the best chance of having a 10-year career, I mm-hmm. would say Ritter. If you ask me what quarterback has the best chance of being like an all pro, I would say Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. So that's that's the difference between these two guys at the top is that Ritter, I feel pretty confident, is gonna walk in the league and be able to play well, right? You've, you've heard him get like Marcus Mariota comps and Daniel Jones comps. So like at the very least, he can like hold a starting job during his rookie contract, maybe be a good backup, maybe push for a starting job later in his career. I like him more as like a guy who can reach a Tannehill level where like, is it going to be amazing? Is it going to be top 10? Probably not, but you can run an offense with that guy, right? So yeah, I think Ritter can go and have a 10-year career and he could be a solid quarterback for you, get you to the playoffs, maybe win a playoff game. Got a friend. Apparently that takes a bad. Uh, wow. Right. But Malik Willis out of Liberty, a lot less faith that he's going to walk in, immediately win a starting job, hold it down, you know, not be a liability. He's got a ton of bad habits. But man, if I'm if I'm banking on a guy to be an all pro, if I'm if I'm going for really that peak season, Willis clearly has the the, the tools that you would expect from that, right? Because of the rushing abilities, he's gonna be a dual threat guy, he's gonna accumulate a ton of yardage, score a ton of touchdowns. He can get you out of so many bad plays. He puts himself in a lot of bad plays too, but he can get you out of a lot of ones because of the escapability that puts him kind of in that peak. So there's two separate buckets there. I'd probably put the life savings on Ritter just because it's a little bit safer as far as life savings bets goes. Um, but Willis has those peaks that are, that are really exciting. You know, when we first started hearing about this draft class, it was all, Oh, there's no quarterback. There's no quarterback. There's no quarterback. And I think back to 2018, all we heard about 2018 was how it was loaded with quarterbacks. We didn't know who the number one pick is going to be. Now you look at it now and it's not looking that loaded. Um, is this class you think kind of getting a bad rap? Do you think they're maybe not as bad as people have said, at least initially quarterback specifically or whole draft quarterback specifically. So I think it's a little better than it than than the 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 narrative has landed on it, just in terms of the fact that I really like Ritter and and I think Willis also has those really nice peaks. So there's there's two guys that if a team take took them top fifteen, I'd get it right. And I think like that makes this class objectively better than like 2013 when EJ Manuel went in 16 overall and then Gino went in the second round and like that was all we had. So it's 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 the the Willis and Ritter of this class pick it up for me. With that said. The fact that we're talking ourselves into such players as Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, and Sam Howell should indicate that we are in dire straits. It is a bad class. It's probably gotten hammered a little bit too much, but it is definitely objectively not a good quarterback class. Uh, And if you had the opportunity to to take a quarterback last year and didn't, as teams like the Carolina Panthers did, teams like the Philadelphia Eagles did, teams like the Atlanta Falcons did, that was a big mistake. And if you're going to force a quarterback pick this year, as teams like the Panthers and the Falcons might here in the top 10, instead of waiting for next year, that's making the same mistake twice. Uh, so this, this is a, a year in which to not need a quarterback if you if you planned out your timing correct. Well, you brought up the Eagles, Ben. And in former team. life, used to cover them for BleedingGreenNation.com. Shout out. Um, NBGN Radio, of course. And I imagine a lot of Eagles fans are listening to this show on the SB Nation NFL show as they usually do. So I would be remiss stats not to ask Ben about what he thinks the Eagles should do, should do at number 15 and number 18 in the 2022 NFL draft. Jordan Davis, baby. Defensive tackle. Georgia. Listen, if you tell me another time you get to draft a 360-pound man who runs a 4-8, I will take that other opportunity. Wow. But this is what this is what we get, right? This is our, our opportunity. Uh, the um, 
the Eagles run a too high defense, right? Jonathan Gannon comes from Indianapolis, comes from Minnesota under Matt Eberflus and Mike Zimmer. It's a too high defensive structure. When you run too high, you need to have a solution to the problem presented, which is that you don't have enough players in the box to stop the run. As BLG knows, as I know, as guys who watched the Eagles last year, the Eagles did not have a solution to this problem, right? They gave up unbelievable underneath completions because all of their guys played super far off and they were not able to effectively stop the run on early downs. You can blitz to try to do it. The Eagles didn't really want to do that. You can run like college fronts to try to do it. The Eagles didn't really try to do that. They just kind of like lined up and were like, Anthony Harris, go make a play, baby. And like, that's just not, the vibes are not good. That's not how you want to do it. So the if your solution is going to be asking your run-stopping players to be elite players, right? You're not really going to do anything else schematically. Then Jordan Davis becomes arguably the most valuable player in the draft. This is that like, this is a guy who can make two equal one on the chalkboard. You playing 11 on 11, you're not playing 11 on 10. Like it's just like it, nobody changes the math fundamentally in this class, except for like maybe Malik Willis because the running ability, then Jordan Davis does. And yes, it's not at a sexy position and it's not with, with, with sacks or interceptions or fumbles. And it's only on first and second down, maybe occasionally on third down, but that math changing is foundational to the way the team wants to play defense. So Davis makes a ton of sense if he makes it to them. Uh, we've heard defensive line and defensive backfield are kind of the two places they're going to focus on. To me, Davis reads as the player they'd be interested in. I'd be surprised if it was an edge just because they have so many bodies there, but you can never rule that out. Uh, in the defensive backfield, corner class is weird. Uh, I'm really interested to see what they do. Because if you're at 18 and Trent McDuffie out of Washington's already off the board and you've got Andrew Booth out of Clemson who's got sports hernia problems and is a big injury red flag. You have Kair Elam out of Florida. It was like a, 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 a press man corner. Not exactly how they played ball last year. The fit is weird. So I think they really want McDuffie to get down to them. If not, and they're targeting defensive back, that feels like a trade back spot to me. If they're going receiver, Traylon Burks at Arkansas. Great pick for them at 18. Drake London out of USC. Also a good pick for them at 18, but Burks is the one that excites me the most. Chris Alave, if he makes it down to the Met of Ohio State, but I don't think he will. Uh, so I expect Davis... McDuffie, Burks, Olave, London to be the five core that they'd like to get two out of if they can. And if they can't, I expect the trade back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Well, as much as I know BOG loves to talk about the Eagles, I feel like you're skipping ahead a little bit because at least right now, there does seem to be some question at the top of the draft. Jags have the first pick. We thought it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson for a long time. Now we're hearing whispers that maybe it might not be. Are you buying that? Or you think it's Hutchinson all the way? I'm I'm buying it a little bit. I think that a, uh, I think it's a house divided against itself. I think it's very clear that Jacksonville has no idea what it's doing, right? I think that's been established for a long time. Uh, and so I think there's internal disagreement in the building in, in terms of who they're going to take. So could it be Hutchinson? Sure. If we're looking at like sports betting markets, right? Uh, you can get on DraftKings, Trayvon Walker at plus 200 and Aiden Hutchinson at minus 200. 
I would take Walker because to me, it's a house divided. I got as good of a chance of that being Hutch as I do being Walker. And in fact, I think it's a little bit of a better chance to be Walker because it's the GM who reportedly likes Walker. And the thing about the GM is he's the one who turns the pick in. So that's oh, Trent Balky. Push comes to shove a little bit. Yeah, you would know. Uh, and so to me, if I had to bet right now, I would bet on it being Walker. And if I were making my own market, I would have Walker as a slight favorite over Hutchinson. The tackles also should still not be uh, discounted. You know, when, when Cam Robinson signed that, pre, that that franchise tag, the whole report was like, oh, they're doing this in case they miss on Toronto Armstead. They missed on Toronto Armstead. No, I don't, I don't think Ikea Kwanu or uh, Evan Neal are out of the picture either. So it's a house divided, so it's tough to predict. But right now, if you, if you put a water gun to my head, yeah, I'd take Walker. Who's the most overrated prospect? Talk about first round here. Yeah. In this uh, draft. Who, do you, who, who, who are you selling stocks on? Uh, Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of, out of Utah. Mm. Um, it's cool to look like Fred Warner and to have played in a similar area of the country as Fred Warner did in college. But, uh, and, and, and he's, he's, he's tall. He's good in coverage. He's long. Like, it, like a lot of the Fred Warner highlights map one of the Devin Lloyd highlights nicely. But there's two things that, that matter a lot. Number one, Devin Lloyd not like to tackle. Linebackers got to be cool with tackling. Like, like, like Darius Leonard is like a tall, thin linebacker who's just obsessed with tackling, right? Loves to hit, loves like force fumbles, unbelievable peanut punch. If you're going to play linebacker 235, you got to love to tackle. You got to really love to, to play among the trees. You talk about playing along those offensive linemen, the big guys play among the trees. Lloyd doesn't really like it as much. Uh, and that's really worrisome because that's where you see players like Quan Alexander have these like really flashy seasons, then kind of like fall to the wayside. It's because they're really good in space, but then you you can get them in a, in a point where they have to be physical and they kind of fall a little bit. So that's number one. Number two is coaches tell you what they believe players can and can't do by how they use them. And Lloyd is good in coverage, but Utah rushed him off the edge a fair bit. And Lloyd's like a fine edge rusher, but it wasn't like a Michael Parsons situation where it's like, we got to get this guy rushing the passer. It was like, all right, if this guy's so good in coverage, why aren't you asking him to do it? The the old adage is like, if they're blitzing a guy, they do not trust him in coverage. And that's what they're doing with Lloyd. Uh, it's a really good linebacker class. I would so much rather take a swing on one of the myriad of really good athletes, one of the three Georgia guys, all of whom have multiple years of starting experience, Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, Chad Mum out of Wyoming, as opposed to spending a top 15 pick on Lloyd. It's just like, yeah, I think Lloyd's good. I just don't think he's worth a round plus investment on Quay Walker, Chanel, Mama, Nicobe Dean. Not not too rich for my blood. I'd rather wait. All right. Well, let me flip it around then. Who is the most underrated first round prospect? Uh, Lewis Seen, the safety out of Georgia, should go round one. Uh, and safety is a position that's changing rapidly in the in the NFL. I'm literally talking with Ben Baldwin right now on Twitter. Just, he's asking about safeties. And I wrote a piece about safeties two weeks ago. And I'm like, I think a thought. But safety is a really rapidly changing position in the league. The more we play two high structures, the less one, u- one unique top-tier skill matters and the more a versatile myriad of skills matters. You got to be able to do a lot of things decently well, solve problems for us, kind of plug some stop gaps. Lewis Seen out of Georgia is just like, we talk about coaches' dreams players, guys' coaches' dream player. I don't think he ever did anything that could be like described as like freelancing, right? Like, oh, I think. No. Lewis Seen never, he was a, you know, robot. These are the responsibilities. That's really good for your safety because he is a safety valve. You want him to work as he's meant to work, right? But then there came those moments 
where like this entire Georgia defense was kind of nuts. They all love to hit. They all run around. They're crazy psychopaths. There came those moments like scene had like an alley on a guy and you just saw like the barbarian switch off in his head. He just went and knocked the dude out. So he's got that like extra oomph to him. He's a really good tackler. He's really physical. He's really explosive. He's a great coverage guy with really good eyes, understands how he's being attacked, knows what the dummy stuff is, knows what the real stuff is. He's just fundamentally very, very, very sound player. He's a Marcus Williams-like guy. Is he going to be top five safety? No. Baltimore Ravens just paid Marcus Williams $14 million a year. It's because that sort of guy matters a lot. He's really useful to your defense. Uh, so to me, Scene should be going round one. I don't think he will, uh, but he should. And, and and after Kyle Hamilton, he's the safety I like the most in this class. Just to address our uh, second special guest earlier, you may have heard some barking. That's my good friend, Lemon, uh, who is very adorable. And you can see on my Instagram account, at Brandon Gowton. It's a really just cheap plug that I forced into the show. Uh, Lemon while is we a already- cute name. Why are we? Yeah, it's it's great. She's sleeping right now. She's doing great. Um, then, as someone who loves the draft like you do, I feel like in your dreams, you're you're thinking like, oh man, if this team gets this player, that would just be like the perfect fit. I love that so much for them and the player. There might maybe there's multiple answers to this for you. Is there at least one prospect and team fit that just makes so much sense that you feel like it has to happen, and you're gonna be angry if it doesn't? Uh Jamison Williams, who I said is probably gonna go top ten. Making it to the Chargers would be awesome. Uh, and Chris Olave is is, is kind of similar, though Olave isn't the same level of the deep threat. But watching that Chargers offense last year, I think for a lot of people, it was like, wow, like this Justin Herbert cat can play, right? Like, this is really, really, really cool. But then offense felt a little bit more laborious than it should have with having like, an elite quarterback. It felt like the offense should have just been like hum, and at times it would just get stagnant. And you're like, what? what's missing? Like, you know, like Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Michael Williams, like, this is a good group. And what was missing is a guy who could actually truly legitimately take advantage of, of his 60 yard arm of Herbert's 60, 65 yard arm and say, we are going to open this defense up vertically. We're going to stretch you so far that you can't imagine being able to cover all this space, right? They were so good on horizontal stretches. That's only 53 yards, sideline to sideline. That getting that vertical stretch is critical to this team. If they really want to unlock Herbert and unlock the passing game, Jalen Guyton is like a fine little field stretcher. But for a guy like what you, Herbert, you got a Ferrari. We're not going to give this guy a Jalen Guyton. You know what I mean? You got to go and you got to get him a man who can open up the field. And to me, that's Jamison Williams. So if the Chargers, the Chargers would be very responsible and like take Jordan Davis at 17, take like a left tackle at 17. It'd be great. Like that'd be a good pick. Oh, if they take Jamison Williams, I'm going to get irresponsible in terms of, of what I expect from the Chargers team this year. They, the, this could be the coolest passing game in the league if they were to get a Jameson Williams or Chris Olave, a true 4-4 player who can get all the way down the field. So that's the thing to me that I just, oh, I'd love to see it. Ben crossed his fingers for those who couldn't see. Oh, right, it's, sorry, uh, not on video. I crossed my fingers. <laughs> all right, that's on me. Um, you mentioned Keenan Allen. I actually heard Peter Schrager a couple of weeks ago talk about Keenan Allen potentially being on the move during this draft. Pat McAfee's talked about how the Packers seemingly have something up their sleeve, possibly. And God, we we know if Pat McAfee's talking about the Packers. We have a pretty good idea of where that info is coming from. Do you think it's I possible? <laughs> Do you think it's possible we see Keenan Allen head to Green Bay? I this is the first I have heard about this or thought about this. Uh I from a pure on the field perspective, I don't get it. This is a wide receiver one with a team and you got the rookie contract quarterback. Like this is just exactly the sort of player you want to keep around. They obviously just did pay Mike Williams. And so like, you know, you, you have now wide receiver one money put into two guys and I can get why that can be concerning. Uh, cap wise. 
it works, I guess. He has roster bonuses 2023 and 2024, so you're not worried about it now. Like it's it's a it's a hit, but if you're getting like a first round pick for it, I guess. Uh I mean I I for me for the Chargers, I, I would not mess with a good thing. Uh to me, to me, that's not a necessary move. I think that that if the team were like on a longer time horizon and needed some first round picks, sure. But you're really good right now. Uh, I would go ahead and I would want to grab that player at 17, keep Keenan Allen in place and try to push in the AFC West for even as good as the AFC West is, I would feel confident that I can do that. Um, so I would be surprised, but at this point, man, every wide receiver is on the market. Like all, all of the guy, Cooper cup is the only one I'm positive is playing for his team next year. Everybody else could go somewhere. I feel like every year in the draft, we're like these, this draft is loaded with wide receivers. They're everywhere. You can get a good one in the second, third round. Yes. Has that sort of become like running back where there's just such a, a surplus of a supply that you really don't need to go crazy, you know, signing a number one guy, you can just keep adding and then kind of interchange them like we've seen with running backs. I think we'll get there eventually. Right now, the answer is no, because Christian Kirk made $20 million. And then because Christian Kirk made $20 million, which is not fair to Christian Kirk, by the way, it's not because Christian Kirk made $20 million. Also go get your money, young man, like you live your dreams. Um, but like that's the whole like narrative coming out of the league is like oh Christian Kirk ruined the whole wide receiver market y'all were tripping to go play Mike Williams already you know what I mean like everybody was getting paid um be, like I think eventually we're gonna get there to the point where wide receivers just got so much talent available that the smart teams are gonna just try to go cheap and young at the position pretty consistently uh but right now it's it's a lot of investment there's gonna be uh there are a ton of of like 15 million plus receivers in free agency and accordingly there's gonna be a lot of first round picks at receiver because the teams that missed out on those guys need to go get those guys right and they feel like all right if we get a guy in a rookie contract that'll be really good value for us because the top guys are getting paid so much but you're exactly correct rob and i have i have a i have a piece of content coming out for the ringer on this uh next week so to subscribe to the ringer youtube channel there's my shameless plug blg um i told you well yeah the wide receiver position has never been easier to play we get Seven on seven football in high school, which is a ton of extra developmental reps, running routes and catching balls, college quarterbacks and college passing games have never been better, right? Like 20 years ago, college offenses throwing the ball. There were like six of them who could do it. Now everybody can do it, right? All these quarterbacks have figured out how we figured out the passing game. We figured out the RPOs. So you get a ton more reps in college and the league has shown that they will take these players, right? The, the, there have been like four receivers selected in NFL history that are 170 pounds or lighter. That's like made up stat. But like three of them have been like in the last three years. You know what I mean? Like the league is widely expanding the body types that will even use at this position because they're now using spread offenses. So wide receivers become so wide and so varied. There's such a plethora of options. The, yeah, eventually the smart teams will just every year, second round dart, and we'll, you know, sign a guy to a, a $6 million per year contract, sign a veteran, and we're just going to keep this carousel going. So there's always going to be somebody next, always somebody who can come back up who can replace some of these snaps. So we've talked a lot about, you know, first-round prospects and whatnot. Give me a guy, day th- two, day three, that you'll stand on the table for, that you're convinced is being undervalued and will be a great find for someone. Let's go. All right. Day two. Broad field here. Yeah. Day two, I really like Marcus Jones, the corner out of Houston, which is a oh, little yeah. bit because I watched Marcus Jones, the corner out of Houston, like a little bit last week. And then I watched him a bunch yesterday and like, I was already going to watch him. And then the Eagles brought him in for a visit. And I was like, yeah. I got to watch Marcus how, Jones. How could you not like this guy? He can yeah. do everything. <laughs> Young man can play a little ball. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was impressed with him when I first saw him, but he's a legit like round two option. And I feel like he's a corner. Like you hear Kyler Gordon out of Washington. You hear Zion McCollum out of, out of Sam Houston state, Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. 
I'd probably take Marcus Jones over all these guys. Uh, he just doesn't have the same name, and it's and 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 in the AAC, did he have like incredible production that he went, or excuse me, incredible competition that he went up against? Not really, but still, like he held his own against Alec Pierce, which is the best receiver that he saw this year out of Cincinnati. Um, and I expect him to be able to do the same thing against a variety of body types, because again, like he saw the Calvin Austins of the world. And he saw the Alec Pierce's of the world, and he was able to play everything in between. Like you said, BLG is a very dude, right? Like he can play inside and outside, which is really cool at his size. Uh, and he is willing to tackle, which is always important for corners. Uh, so I like Marcus Jones a lot on day two. So I would stand on the table for him there. Uh, Khalil Shakir at a Boise State wide receiver. I'm not sold he makes it to day three. If he does make it to day three, extremely good little player. Going to be the like he's your Amon Ross St. Brown of this class, where it's like, all right, is he an amazing athlete? No. Is he good at everything? Yeah. You can play teams. You know what I mean? Like he's going to stick on your roster. He could be your slot player. He's going to be your wide receiver four. And once you have an injury, whatever role is open, he'll be able to step into that role and take it a little bit. So you're, you're Amon Ross St. Brown, Sterling Shepard of the world. He's the sort of guy who can do it. Um, Who's a good, like real legit day three sleeper guy. Uh, Tyler Algier running back at a BYU. Uh, Big dense young man who can run. Now if you got good feet and you're tough to tackle, you can run an outside zone offense. You can hang around. And so if you think about, like what Mike Boone was to that Vikings team a couple of years ago. Like this is the sort of player that you can get out of, out of, uh, out of Tyler Algier. Is the breakaway speed amazing? No, but he's big. And so he's going to break a tackle for you, pick up some dirty yardage. That's a fun player to have on day three. Let me spin it. I don't want to say spin it forward. I guess look back. Who is the second year player that you expect to make the biggest jump in 2022? Oh, brother. All right. I can do this. I got. I have to like Devontae Smith. Next question. I have, I, have to <laughs> shut off, I have to shut off the 2022 side of my brain and, and yep. reopen the 2021 side of my brain. I'm thinking about all the wrong prospects. <sighs> Greg Newsom, the second corner at a, at a, uh, at a Northwestern went to Cleveland. Denzel Ward just got paid big money, right? Yeah, He's, he did. Clear corner one. That's great. Newsom was awesome last year he was really really good and and he was very good very quietly um but in the middle of that jamar chase heroic season you'll find a couple games against cleveland where he didn't produce too well go watch who was covering him denzel ward went healthy greg newsom was uh newsom is a and like we talked about with marcus jones he's a taller dude but he can play man he can play off and he can play over the slot he's got really really good movement skills uh that secondary in Cleveland is really good, right? Uh, John Johnson signed the contract. They have Troy Hill playing the slot. Last year, somebody was injured at every given point. Like they had like five of their six guys healthy and it was changing who was out and who was in like new somatic concussion. Greedy Williams obviously had the, the ankle thing. Like it was just a constant carousel. If they can stay healthy. That's one of the best secondaries in the league. And the reason is not just because Denzel Ward got that contract and is that corner one, but it's because their corner two is really, really good. And that's Greg Newsom. So to me, that's a guy who I think is already good, but in terms of national recognition and awareness, that's going to be a big leap. Yeah. Interesting. You didn't pick your guy, Justin Fields there. Oh, BLG is hates Justin Fields. I don't hate him. I just think like everyone last year thought and here, Ben, you know, obviously I know you're on the other side of this, so I had to bring it up. I just thought everyone thought it was like way too, everyone was just way stupid for not taking him. And like the bears outsmarted the the bears who are notoriously terrible at evaluating and further developing quarterbacks. Like they got it right this time. They outsmarted everyone. Like, it's like, well, I was like, maybe not. Like maybe he is a little worse. Obviously I get the, intrigue to get the potential to get the upside i'm not saying he's hopeless i'm just saying mm-hmm. like i think there were more red flags than people seemed to think there were when everyone just thought the bears were geniuses for drafting him. justin Fields is not going to take the step next year because the bears roster sucks sure and that's okay. fair 
right. And, and, and quarterback destiny and quarterback landing spot are very tied together. And so mm-hmm. just saying the blank quarterback prospect that the Chicago bears select is going to be bad. is honestly a safe bet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He could have been very, better than yeah. he could have been better than he was last year. I yeah. feel like, like he was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, he had his, he certainly had his struggles. I watch him and, and and I continue to see the plays that you just don't see rookie quarterbacks make in terms of like pocket management processing. Like he is a good in-pocket quarterback and out-of-pocket quarterback, which if you can give me both, that's how you truly get like elite play in this league. So I'll continue to buy in on that. Like Lawrence brings the same thing to the table, which guys like Zach Wilson and Mac Jones don't, right? Wilson's got to be outside of the pocket. Mac Jones got to be in the pocket. Uh, but yeah, I was very vocal about my love for Justin Fields last year. Loved him as a prospect. If you had told me before the draft that he was going to go to the Bears, yeah, I would have been a little bit more like, Oh, it's gonna take some time um, because <laughs> the landing spot is is so critical, and the fact sure. that the Bears' new front office with Ryan Poles is very clearly taking this rebuild the long way, right? And and he's like the offensive line is still terrible, the wide receiver room is really bad, means that's gonna be another tough year for Fields. And every game that he has to play with that bad supporting cast is another game in which he's gonna continue to ingrain the bad habits that yes, he absolutely already has. So it, it is concerning for Fields right now. These these, these first two years are so important. And he's just not going to get the support that I think any quarterback could have grown under that context. So you agree with me on Justin Fields. Good to see. Uh, next question is stats made you go back in time to 2021. I will make you go forward in time to 2023. And I think there's some reason to do that because mm-hmm. not just the Eagles, but five teams have multiple first round picks next year. And there seems to be already, you know, this buzz. I feel like this happens not just this year uh, that, Oh, it's not about this year's quarterback class. It's about next year's quarterback class. And obviously uh, you know, we're far out. So many things can change and whatnot. Do you buy that at all? Do you think there is legitimate optimism for the 2023 class relative to this year? And that teams should maybe consider holding off relative to this year is the key phrase. Cause the answer is yes. Right. Like progn- prognosticating next year's quarterback class is always very hard, right? Like if you sat us down, before the 2021 draft, right? Before the season, like who's the top quarterback? Like, oh, it's probably Justin Herbert, but maybe Tua Tungavailoa will take the spot. And then Joe Burrow was like, I'm going to have the greatest season that ever existed. You know what I mean? And like, not only like did Joe Burrow have that one season that got him the number one overall pick, it also, uh, you know, trampolined, springboarded his entire career. Like Burrow is not as good for the Bengals as he is now if he doesn't have that season with, with, with LSU just because like what it means for confidence. You know what I mean? So prognosticating is very, very difficult. But if we just said the 2023 quarterback class was going to be an average class, like we know nothing about it. So we can just assume it's a 50th percentile outcome. It's going to be better than this year. This year is a very clearly below average bad class, right? So just that alone tells us next year's class is better. Then when we try to peel back the curtain and see about as much as we can see, yeah, well, uh, the, the play we've seen from this point uh, from CJ Stroud, the quarterback out of Ohio State, Bryce Young, the quarterback out of Alabama with the, 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 as always exciting, you know, projects, who's going to jump forward and like Will Levis out of Kentucky and Jaron Hall out of BYU and Gary Bahannon out of Baylor. Yeah. We, we got enough guys to say there's a chance we've got like a three in the top 10, three in the top 15, two in the top five, sort of a draft. And that in and of itself is enough for me to say, man, if I need a quarterback, unless I'm really in love with one of these guys, I'll, I'll wait till next year, please. And thank you. Ooh, nice Parks and Rec reference right at the end there. I like that. I think that's a good place to leave it. Can't go wrong with Ron Swanson. Ben, we thank you very much for the time. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. You can hear his work on the Ringer NFL show. Thanks for hopping in with us and making us smarter. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun. Justin Fields is good. (laughs) BLG, have a good week. I'll talk to you next week. I'll see you, Stats.